God has placed eternity in our hearts. And that's why people drink and smoke and do all they do because they're trying to feel something that they're longing for and they can't get a hold of what it is. And so, but so man still long for God. And there was no solution to their problem. What they really needed was a wind from elsewhere to come, amen, and blow down through their lives. And the Bible says, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, thank God, they were all in one mind, in one accord, one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a mighty rushing mighty wind and filled all the place where they were sitting. And clothing tongues like the fire set upon each of them. Praise God. have a few people in my life that I call a mentor because a mentor to me is is not just somebody that calls and gives you advice a mentor is somebody that has invested in you they have sat down with you they've taken a precious thing called time and they've given it to you because they believe in you and I am so excited today to have one of my mentors on the podcast, Brother O.C. Marler. Brother O.C. Marler is a legend of the Pentecostal movement. He is a master storyteller and can preach a message like no other. He is a mentor in my life that has taken so much time. I remember when I was just 16 years old, and I, I told Brother Marler that I had to call to preach on my life. At 16, 17 years old, he sat me down and said, Nathan, let me show you how I prepare a message. And I never forgot that a giant of the faith would care enough about me, this 16, 17-year-old kid, to sit down with me and share that with me. I'll never forget it for as long as I live. And I'm going to share some of that with you on the podcast today as he tells us about how he preaches, about how his mind works, how he writes. I hope you're blessed by the ministry of Brother O.C. Marler. I'm your host, Nathan French, and this is going to be a very noteworthy conversation. Let's go.
Hello. Hello, Brother Marler. How are you doing today, sir? Well, fine. How are you doing? Oh, I am doing wonderful, Brother Marler. I'm so honored and privileged to have you on the podcast today. Thank you for taking time to do this. Yes, sir. We're just glad to be a, of any service I might can be. <laughs> <laughs> Brother Marler, I... Uh, for the listeners that are listening, I want them to know, I do not remember a time uh, in my memory bank where there was not a Brother Marler in my life. That's how, uh, what a big part of my life that you have been. And of course, I know we just uh, lost Sister Marler and yes. you and Sister Marler uh, are yes. heroes of ours. And I am so honored and privileged uh, to get to just be a little small part of your life. Well, well I'm honored that you feel that way. And I, I want you to know that Joan loved you. Mm. She loved you very, very much. And I loved her. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Wow. Well, Brother Marler, I, I, uh, I've been looking forward to this conversation, and I'm, I'm so thankful that, that it worked out. For, for our listeners uh, that might not know you, uh, would you tell us a little bit about about yourself? Let's let's go back, and you can take your time and kind of start from the beginning of where did this journey start for you? Where are you from, and uh, how old are you right now? And then go back and kind of take us back a little while. Well, I'm 173 <laughs> years old. <laughs> some days, some days, and. Uh, Right. But anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm 85. 85. And 85, and I'm I'm from Louisiana. When I went in the service in the Navy, they always they thought they wanted to look at my feet. They said that they thought everybody from Louisiana was web-footed. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's but. Great. Uh, I don't even eat crawfish, so it's not not that way. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm from Louisiana and got started there. Uh, I I actually started preaching from brother <clears throat> Elder Brother Mangan's church. Wow, G. A. Mangan, and of course I was raised out in a little church out about twenty three miles called Camp 8. Okay. The reason it was called Camp 8 was because it was uh, built, they had eight logging camps in the state, and we were the, uh, they, they named it after the eighth logging camp. And then, of course, the logging camp went out of business and left us holding the bag with the, <laughs> right. with the name wow. for wow. the church, you know. <laughs> Wow, so that's that's where it all started for you there in Louisiana. Can you uh, tell us a little bit about, I, I know you mentioned that uh, you started preaching at Elder Mangan's Church at the, yeah. I know which is now the Pentecostals of Alexandria, I don't know what yeah. it was called at the time. It, it, First Pentecostal Church. Okay, and uh, I, I, I would love to kind of hear this story, Brother Marley, and I'm I'm excited to hear it. Would you tell us about when did you first feel a call into the ministry on your life? And 
What was that like? Was it a one-time experience God moment, or was it a series of events that let you know, okay, I'm, I am called to preach the gospel? Well, first of all, let me say that it, uh, it, it, it was a one-time experience, but I don't think everyone has to have that. I had to have it. I could not wow. have, I don't think I could have ever preached not knowing for sure. And uh, so, but I think some folks do uh, get a call different. But I just said, Lord, I was driving a truck from uh, French Unique Cleaners, a big truck that was carrying cleaners to Fort Polk, the army camp at Leesville. And I was driving a big truck and, uh, so I, I stopped. I said, now, Lord, the next time I go to sleep. <laughs> now, you got to understand, I wasn't even sleepy, wasn't planning to. I wasn't planning to go to sleep. Wow. And I said, Lord, the next time I go to sleep, I want you to let me dream of preaching, that I am actually preaching. And um, Wow. So the next thing that happened, I woke up <laughs> and I was so excited. I dreamed I was preaching and preaching to a crowd. And uh, it was the same thing that happened to me when I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I, I, I all of a sudden I was preaching and so I, I connected, and I, it was the feeling, the feeling was there. And so uh, it's, that's all, it's, that's been my entire life from that point to now. Wow. Well, Brother Marler, you are one of my all-time favorite preachers, and you you do it so so amazingly. You have a way of taking uh, an everyday story, everyday life, and you can say it so masterfully. Where did you, when you felt that call to preach and you started preaching and finding out stylistically who you were as a preacher, where did you learn to draw these stories from all around you and use it to communicate the word of God. Well, I I don't think I ever learned it. I think I just whatever I do, I just do it. Yeah. I I, I never purposely said, but now I do have to say that later on, I I, I don't know where it was. People realizing the the effect that stories had on people are are, are what are you know also. <laughs> I realized that that's the way Jesus did it. Yeah. Uh, wow. Somebody told me, said one time, they were, <clears throat> they said, well, I don't use stories. I just preach the Bible. I said, well, if you don't mind, I'll just go ahead and do it like Jesus did it. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I like that for the morning. That's beautiful. So I think it just, uh, I think, you know, I came, I came from storytellers. Mm-hmm. Uh, my uncle's, uh, they were storytellers. 
my mother, my aunts were storytellers. And when we had Christmas uh, dinners or uh, anything, Thanksgiving, everybody took their time, their turn at telling stories. They had, everyone always had a story on their mind. And so I, I think it's just part of me, you know. Wow. Well, that is also one of the qualities about yourself. And I, I, I love that. Uh, I think that's what makes it so special, Brother Marler. And I, I know it just sounds like I'm bragging you on the whole time, but it's just the truth. Is well, that... listen, I can go. I can go six months on one compliment. So just go ahead. <laughs> well, I'm just going to take my liberty then, um, man. I'll tell you, you do it so well because it's just who you are. And and on this podcast. We, we've talked a lot about just being authentic and real to yourself, and, and that is exactly what you do every time you approach the pulpit. Now, how old were you when, when that happened, when, when you experienced that moment, the dream of preaching, and you knew? Well, I believe, let's see, about 23 23 okay and and yeah, now I'm you're there. you're 85 um i'm 85 i've been yeah i've been preaching 63 years oh, however that figures out wow okay so 23 now 85 and mm. uh maybe you could help some uh ministers that are listening right now or maybe somebody that is listening and they feel a call to this. They feel a call to minister. What are some challenges that you have faced in ministry, and how did you overcome them over the last 63 years? Well, I don't know. Unless you are an egomaniac or something, uh, <laughs> it's, you know, you, you don't feel worthy or... I don't know. Uh, you, you don't feel like you have it. Right. And, uh, but you yet, you know that that's what you're supposed to do. And so I just had to finally come. Uh, I'll give you a little illustration of it. Yeah, go ahead. When I, when I started preaching, I had been preaching, but a little while. And at Tioga, at the camp meeting in Louisiana, every uh, evening they would have a youth part of the service, and they would ask one person to preach the youth service, and they asked me to preach. Well, I I got there, and A.T. Morgan was there with the general superintendent. Okay. George Glass, was, which was a, the greatest speaker that I've ever heard in my life. Wow. And, uh, and uh, Brother C.G. Weeks was there, the superintendent. And, and everyone in Pentecost seemed like there was anyone uh, in name was there. Yeah. And uh, so I, I had to come to it. Uh, to be or not to be. Yeah. And I said to myself, all right, they didn't ask them to preach. They asked me to preach. Mm, and uh, maybe I used an old saying that everybody uses. Uh, I said, well, 
they put on their pants one leg at a time, just like I do. <laughs> right. Yes. And so yes, I've sir. got to get out of this right now. And when I got up to the pulpit, well, I was able, that carried me, that resolve carried me through. Wow. And I've only been intimidated one time by a preacher. Uh, and he didn't try to intimidate me. Uh, he, 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 it wasn't, he, just, he, you know, just, it just something that happened. Yeah. But from, from that time on, I said, okay, I'm going to be whatever. Now God didn't make a mistake here. And so I don't feel like I'm anyone. I don't yeah. feel like I've got anything great to say, right. but whatever I got to say, I'm going to say it with confidence. Man, that's so beautiful. Thank you. Now, you're uh, an incredible preacher, incredible storyteller, and an incredible author. You've written many books, and I know. For the listeners, uh, uh, Brother O.C. Marler and my father, Talmadge French, are the the best of friends, the closest of friends. And so, (laughs) you know, they have... have, the Marlers are family to the French family. Yes, and yes, so, yes, um, and one of the things that you and my father have in common is you both, you love books, you, you love mm. to write, and you love to tell stories. And you've mm-hmm. written so many incredible books like uh, Doctrine Does Matter, but you've also written uh, Westerns and things mm-hmm. of that nature, which are, are so entertaining, so good. Could you tell us a little bit about just your passion for writing and how all that began? Well, I can't remember not wanting to write. I tell you, it kind of probably goes back to the bookmobile. Uh, the school had a, a bookmobile. That's uh, for someone may not know what that is. That's books on wheels that they <clears throat> it would come to the school ever. Uh, about once or twice a month, I guess it was, and you could check out books off of the bookmobile. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, and and then in the summer, they'd come to the little maybe there's a little store somewhere, and they'd come up there at a certain time, and the public could go. My dad checked books out. He was a reader. And uh, uh, my mother was a reader. And when dad died, uh, he had a book half read. And uh, he had to go to the hospital and he left it on the couch and marked it. And so after the funeral, I went home and uh, to his house and got the book and started half and finished it for him and took it back to the book mobile. So. Maybe it started there, but I always I started out wanting to write an article mm-hmm. uh, in the, in the, the district papers and and this and that. I remember Brother Mangan told me, "Oh, see, you better just leave that alone. You're getting <laughs> problems." <laughs> and um, so I did, but then later I did, and but writing has just it's just something that. I felt, and I am hid away when I write. Uh, I can write on a, in an airport. I can write 
anywhere. I can write in any noise. It don't make any difference because I am so, I get so lost in the story that it is just part of me, you know. Wow. That's amazing. Now this, this might be a funny question and, and maybe you've been asked it a hundred times, maybe never, but what's your favorite book that you've written when it comes to just something that you have enjoyed going back and reading? Uh, doctrine does matter. Doctrine does matter. Doctrine does matter is winning people probably right now. Everywhere I go, every church I go in, somebody comes to me and says, I'm here because of doctrine does matter. My goodness. That yes. must make you feel like a million dollars. Oh, church in Florida called me. I had given a book, uh, two whole rows of, of people came in from another church. Man. And set, and I gave them a book as they was going out, and I got a call three weeks later, and and uh, I believe it was three weeks later, and uh, uh, the pastor said, Brother Marley, you might want to know that I got a call. They're all coming to be baptized tonight. Man, thank you, Jesus. And wow. and uh, from overseas, I, I wished uh, I could remember the <clears throat> country, uh, a Spanish-like lady was. She was coming. To, they were her, her family was coming towards the table where I was sitting selling books, and she started running. She said, "Oh, there's the book. There's the book." She said, "This is how I got saved." And her pastor overseas had given her. And of course, I know we don't have time or need to take the time, but time. I could tell you story after story after story. And so I think that's the one thing that that's going to be here after I'm gone. Wow, that is amazing! What what an incredible testimony of what it can be to write down something mm. that that lives on forever. Now, I I do want to uh, ask you about your your preaching for a moment. I, I know we've mentioned that you're a storyteller. And just one of the all-time greats, in in my humble opinion. And of course, I'm biased because I I love you and and your family so dearly. But um, but would you be willing to share some of your study habits with us? In other words, how do you prepare a message before you preach it? You shared this with me many years ago, uh, probably. 15 years ago, you took the time, and I, I want to just tell you this, Brother Marler, um, it meant so much to me as a young teenager that knew absolutely nothing about preparing a message that uh, a giant like yourself would sit down and say, let me show you how I prepare notes, and that that changed my life. Would you mind sharing what does that process look like for you with well, our listeners? Let me say to the listeners, I let you uh, compliment me over and over, but uh, folks, I really don't feel that way about it. But I just know there's no use to rebut it. But anyway, uh, I uh, I read a lot of books. I like sermonic material. Uh, preachers, I, I love preachers, and uh, they. <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I think about a, maybe an old English preacher. He doesn't have to be be, believe what I believe 
for me to get something from him. And I think about in the 1800s, this old preacher gets up in the morning and uh, before daylight and he's sitting by a fire and he's preparing a sermon. And it gets in print. Well, I like to know what the, I like to know what he thought and and what he said. Right. And uh, I, I take a book and I underline and I write in my books. My books are not to save for posterity. They're, they're, I, I hope that they're used up and scribbled all over by the time I'm gone. And nobody wants them if they don't want that. Wow. Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, then it seems the last few years, I get more sermons right out of the Bible. Uh, the Bible is, uh, uh, it, it, it just, it, it says so many things we can read a hundred times and don't pick up. Yes. And I think God sometimes just wants us to, wants to show us that it's like, uh, they used to put on 3d glasses. So it would, it would show everything up in more live color. Well, I think that, uh, if we read the Bible in 3d, <laughs> yeah. There's a lot to be said there. Mm, then I, I take a, uh, I write my notes down, and uh, then somehow or another the illustrations fill in the there's there's blank space, spaces whether we have a blank space there or not. There should be. Wow. And we we make this statement of fact, of facts, and and then to to make it to shore it up, mm. and to make it come out. Right. We use that illustration put there and bring out that station of fact. You should never. I don't think anybody should ever use over two to three illustrations and to, to take care of bridging a gap, you know, okay, go yes. ahead. Mm. Wow. Maybe, maybe that's might help what I was, what you're thinking. I don't know. That's, that's, oh yeah, absolutely. What a great way to, to put it. I love your, uh, words about reading the Bible in 3d. I love that. Now, when you sit down with your paper, do you do you write out your notes, or do you just write uh, bullet points? Is it just something to remind you, or do you write it all down? I don't write any more than what it takes for me to remember. Okay. And if one word will do it, <clears throat> that's better. If if a, if it has to be a sentence, but the more I write, the, the less. I'm going to be able to deliver it with the uh, with the feeling of <laughs> it flowing, right. flowing. I, right. If if I have to read, you know, if if 
if I wanted somebody to read a sermon, I'd just type it up and hand it to them. Right. But I wanted to deliver it. I wanted. I, I, I want. I want God. God has to get in there. Yeah. And if He doesn't get in there and and anoint, uh, then I, I know one person that can that can read a sermon and and do good, but only one, only one. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Now you preached a message um, years ago, uh, and and then the lilies, and that's just one example of just yeah. how how you can yeah. take a simple statement from scripture yeah. and just yeah. build on it and build on yeah. it. Uh-huh. Now, um, Brother Marler, I've I've asked this question to uh, almost every minister I've had on the podcast since 2019. And uh, that that question is this. At NAYC in 2019, which I, I know that they just had to cancel NAYC 21, but um, Brother Jack Cunningham preached about being apostolic to the core. Mm-hmm. And, and in other words, what it was going to take for this generation to, to be apostolic during these last days. In, in your opinion, coming from from such a, a well-respected elder like yourself, what does this generation, Generation Z, Millennials, the younger generation, need to do to make sure we remain apostolic to the core until Jesus comes back? Well, they need to quit listening to anyone that is trying to make us less Mm. in uh, doctrine, Come on. in standards, in the, and they need to, uh, to uh, be Pentecostal first. You, if, if, if you get to the place to where you don't think the anointing is, the anointing is everything. Right, and to just do uh, uh, you you just simply don't want to. Uh, I'm 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 thinking so many things here. It's all coming together. Oh, this is good. This but is good. Uh, I, I I tell you what, uh, don't worry about an office. Yeah, people are uh, are getting so office conscious. Mm. Just and okay, if if you're asked to serve, that's fine, that's good, it's an honorable thing, but it's not something you seek after and go because when you start seeking after it, you lose a little bit. You well, I better not preach this here because they uh, might uh, somebody might not vote. You're a preacher. God has called you. Yes. And and throw everything to the wind, except and and then you know the scripture tells us that that he, that he'll make room, a gift will make room for you. But if that, it might not be that you ever be an officer. That's a secondary thing, wow. and uh, and also don't worry about trying to be super spiritual 
and hoping that people can see that you're you're something super. Right. No, you just you got to remain a, a vessel that God has called and that God has used. Wow. Yeah. Man, beautifully said, Brother Marler. Well, well thank you. Brother Marler, this has just been a, a high privilege to get to speak to you about this. And, and I, I could sit here all day and, and just listen to, to your stories. But I, I was wondering if you would close us out uh, with, with prayer. Would you just pray over our listeners and yes. pray that God will be with us through this day? Yes, and thank you. Thank you for having me in. I feel honored that I could uh, be with you today. All right, Lord God, we love you. And we thank you for what you mean to us now and what you have meant to us. And Lord, help us not to try to do away with the past. Help us, oh God, to be in the center of your will at all times. Bless, bless our older preachers, Lord God. Help them, Lord, as they stumble through. But also bless our young preachers, Lord, and make them want to be what you want them to be. God, help us to present a church that's as near as we can help without spot or blemish or wrinkle. Let the Holy Ghost, let the Holy Spirit of God constantly be with us and we'll give you the praise and the honor and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. In Jesus' name. Brother Marler, I love you so love much. You, Thank you. And and you know, we're we're family. If you need anything at all, uh, anything we can do, you know that the French family is always just a phone yes. call away. Well, whenever we had the, uh, when we've had so much problems lately, and we lost Joan, your yeah. your family came and stayed several days and offered to come back, and yeah. they stood right there with us in every way. We we love all of y'all, and we believe in you, and we just we just trust y'all to always be right and do right. So thank you for asking me. Thank you, Brother Marler. I love you. I hope you have an incredible rest of your day. And I look forward to talking to you again real soon. Thank you a lot. Okay. God bless. bless.